Well, if we're doing our job as parish clergy, we are supposed to be continually teaching about three things. First, what is faith? Who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? What's the good news of the gospel of salvation in Christ in the story of the scriptures? Second, how then should we live? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in our everyday lives? How does following Jesus make a difference in our attitude towards money? How to be parents or spouses or students or good neighbors? Or how to use the gifts that God gave us? And then third, last but not least, how do we pray? What words do we use to talk to God? How do we listen for God's voice? How can we worship God and draw near to Him by His word and sacraments? These three things are supposed to be again and again on a kind of repeat cycle. The Christian faith, the Christian life, and how to pray. When Jesus taught his disciples, he always made sure to say something about all three, eventually. And he spent quite a lot of time in the Gospels teaching the disciples how to pray. Today's parable is part of Jesus' effort to get his disciples, meaning you and me, to understand what prayer really means and how to do it. So, what does Jesus have to say to us today about prayer? Well, people have the idea sometimes, I think, I hear people say it, that prayer is a kind of alternative to action, to actually doing something. Maybe prayer is nothing but a warm-up to get us to get off of our duffs and go and do something that matters. But the story Jesus tells today should be enough to show us that this is a misunderstanding of what prayer is. Prayer for Jesus is not an alternative to action. It is action. The man or woman of prayer, Jesus said, can be compared to a persistent widow who keeps on bothering an unjust judge until he finally relents and grants her the justice that she's been denied. Prayer is persistent and active and makes things move in the world in the direction of God's justice and reconciliation in the kingdom. Will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Yes, Jesus said. Yes, he will. His father is not an unjust judge, but justice itself seated on the throne. I tell you, Jesus says, he will quickly grant justice to them. The question is often asked, and I think the parable should make us ask, why does God want us to pray? Why doesn't he simply do justice without us having to ask for it? Do justice, heal the sick, be present among us in power without waiting around for us to ask. Wouldn't it be better if there didn't have to be persistent widows, as it were, if we didn't have to pray in the first place? Well, I suggest that God is something like a parent who wants to teach little children how to ask for things. If you didn't want to teach children how to ask for things, you could just not bother with it and give them what you think they should want. Here's your lunch, here's your snack, now you're going to the bathroom, now it's nap time, here are some arts and crafts supplies, and so on. There's a time and place for that, I know. But if you just did that, the children would never learn how to ask for things themselves. They'd never learn how to speak up. They'd just sit there passively, 
never discovering what they want, and never learning to speak up in their own voice. Alternatively, you could decide that you don't want to teach children to ask for things. You want them to learn to fend for themselves. A kind of jungle approach to raising kids, I suppose. You wouldn't teach them to ask them to use the bathroom when they want to, or ask for a snack if they're hungry, or ask for art supplies if they want to paint. But you just leave them be like monkeys in the jungle and let them figure things out for themselves. Now, I don't recommend either of these parenting methods, of course. The first method will get you passive kids who never speak up or learn to do things for themselves. And the second method will get you kids who may well be doing things for themselves, but Lord only knows what kind of things they'll be doing. It probably won't be very nutritious, hygienic, or educational. Note, too, that neither method will get you kids who learn to trust their parents enough to ask them for things that they want or need. One method doesn't let children grow, and the other method just leaves them alone. But consider what happens if a little child says, I want to paint. Well, you take out the paintbrushes and the paint, and you show the child how to wash off the brush, how to mix paints together to make new colors, how to make little strokes and big strokes, and how to draw shapes and clouds and birds and trees. And then you stand back and you let them do it. Pretty soon the child is doing more than he could have done on his own, and he's doing it for himself. And when he's done, he's so proud of what he did. Look at my art, he might say, and explain what it all means. He asked, you see, and then you answered. And you answered in a way that helped him learn and grow. It helped him learn to listen to and trust you as his mother or father. It helped him learn to trust in what he can do. It gave him joy and confidence. C.S. Lewis said that the puzzle of why God wants us to pray is actually no greater than the puzzle of why God lets us do anything at all. God created a world in which our actions have consequences. Creation isn't just a wind-up toy that runs by itself once God lets it go. Nor did God just plop us down into the state of nature and let us figure things out on our own, although we do often act that way. Instead, at the right time, he gave us his word to show us who he is, as 2 Timothy talks about today. What he's done for us, and how we should live. And Jesus himself taught us how to pray. God apparently wants us to ask, Who are you, God? How should I live? How can I talk to you? How can I listen for your voice? And by how he teaches us to pray, he apparently wants us to ask him for what we need. God wants us to ask him to reach into our lives and into the world around us until justice rolls like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He wants us to tell him what we need, what we're afraid of, what we're angry about, what we're feeling, whether joy or sorrow or praise. He wants us to trust him enough to ask for everything we need and to be honest with God about everything we're going through. One reason we pray the Psalms each Sunday in church 
and why the daily office directs us to pray them every day is so that we learn to pray as God teaches us. Our whole hearts, honest and open before God. We learn to say in the Psalms, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Of course, you and I don't always know exactly what we're doing when we try to pray. We're like little kids, fumbling around with our paints, making a big mess, trying as hard as we can to make something that looks like art, even if it actually looks more like scribbles. But God wants us, I think, to try. He's not just going to give us what he in his infinite wisdom knows we should want, or what we should ask for, because he wants us to learn how to ask. And what he gives to us in response will be the kind of answer that helps us learn and grow. Oh, we'll say, I didn't know that that's what I really want. I didn't know that I was asking for something that was halfway right and halfway foolish. Oh, we'll say, I didn't know that when I asked for that, it would change my life quite that much. You know the saying, be careful when you raise your hand at work with an idea. You might just be put in charge of it. Be careful what you ask for. You might just be given more work to do. Well, God is like that too, in a way. If you look around at the many injustices of our time and pray day and night, like the woman in the parable, that God would grant justice to the downtrodden and the oppressed and the voiceless, well, look out. God may be calling you to go and do something to help him make your prayer come true. Prayer is action. Calling on God to open up the floodgates of his power to make God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is action. And prayer calls us into action too. Getting us involved with what God is doing in the world to do battle with the powers of darkness, proclaim good news to sinners and the hopeless, fill the hungry with good things, and lift up the lowly. I wonder, what is it that you pray for most today in your life? Maybe you're praying for healing for a family member or a friend. Jesus says to you today, keep it up, don't lose heart. Pray that God will do more than the doctors can do, as important as doctors are. And then go and get involved in your prayer. Be part of God's answer to prayer for healing in their lives. Maybe you're praying for justice, for the far too many Botham Keens and the Tatiana Jeffersons of the world. Jesus says to us, keep it up. Don't lose heart. Pray that God will do more than politics can do, as important as politics is. And then go and get involved in your prayer. Be part of God's answer to prayer for justice for all of God's children. Maybe you're praying that someone you know and love would come to know the Lord. Maybe you're praying for the unborn 
Maybe you're praying for the Kurds or the peace of Israel or that the people of our country would start to come together in some measure of truth and justice and reconciliation. Or whatever it might be, keep it up. Don't lose heart. And then go and get involved in your prayer. Be part of God's answer. As long as we're praying, I think, we won't lose heart. Prayer is what keeps us from losing heart. Prayer helps redirect us from the inarticulate scribbles of the present moment to learn to want what God wants, to ask for what God wants to give us. The prayer of confession helps us see the part that we've played in the mess that we're in, to own our faults and amend our lives by God's grace. And then the continued persistent prayer of petition like the persistent widow, asking God that his kingdom come and his will be done will open up the floodgates of God's power and show us that we are not alone in wanting justice and healing and reconciliation to come quickly. Prayer shows us that it's not just up to us. It's up to God. When we pray, we place ourselves in God's pathway and we get involved in making our prayers come true. When we pray always, we won't lose heart because we'll know that justice and healing and reconciliation are in God's hands. The persistent widows of the world win. You and I have read the book of God's word and we know how the story ends. So, my brothers and sisters, don't lose heart. Pray continually, and may God's kingdom come, and his will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.